Section 2 to Parables from Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Parmenter. Parables from Nature by Mrs. Alfred Gatti. The Law of Authority and Obedience. Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Acts 7.27 A fine young working bee left his hive one lovely summer's morning to gather honey from the flowers. The sun shone so brightly and the air felt so warm that he flew a long, long distance till he came to some gardens that were very beautiful and gay. And there, having roamed about, in and out of the flowers, buzzing in great delight, till he had so loaded himself with treasures that he could carry no more, he bethought himself of returning home. But just as he was beginning his journey, he accidentally flew through the open window of a country house and found himself in a large dining room. There was a great deal of noise and confusion, for it was dinner time and the guests were talking rather loudly, so that the bee got quite frightened. Still he tried to taste some rich sweet meat that lay temptingly in the dish on the table, when all at once he heard a child exclaim with a shout, Oh, there's a bee! Let me catch him! On which he rushed hastily back to, as he thought, the open air. But alas, poor fellow, in another second he found that he had flung himself against a hard transparent wall. In other words, he had flown against the glass panes of the window, being quite unable, in his alarm and confusion, to distinguish the glass from the opening by which he had entered. This unexpected blow annoyed him much, and having wearied himself in vain attempts to find the entrance, he began to walk slowly and quietly up and down the wooden frame at the bottom of the panes, hoping to recover both his strength and composure. Presently, as he was walking along, his attention was attracted by hearing the soft half-whispering voices of two children who were kneeling down and looking at him. Says one to the other, This is a working bee, sister. I see the wax bags under his thighs. Nice fellow, how busy he has been. Does he make the wax and honey himself? whispered the girl. Yes, he gets them from the insides of the flowers. Don't you remember how we watched the bees once dodging in and out of the crocuses? How we laughed at them, they were so busy and fussy, and their dark coats looked so handsome against the yellow leaves. I wish I'd seen this fellow loading himself today, but he does more than that. He builds a honeycomb, which does pretty nearly everything. He's a working bee, poor wretch. What is a working bee, and why do you call him poor wretch, brother? Why don't you know? Uncle Collins says all people are poor wretches who work for other people who don't work for themselves. And that is just what this bee does. There is a queen bee in the hive who does nothing at all but sit at home, give orders and cozzle the little ones. And all the bees wait upon her and obey her. 
and then there are the drones, lazy fellows, who lounge all their time away, and then there are the working bees, like this one here, and they do all the work for everybody. How Uncle Collins would laugh at them if he knew. Doesn't Uncle Collins know about bees? No, I think not. It was a gardener who told me. And besides, I think Uncle Collins would never have done talking about them and quizzing them if he once knew they couldn't do without a queen. I heard him say yesterday that kings and queens were against nature, for that nature never makes one man king and another a cobbler, but makes them all alike. And so he says kings and queens are very unjust things. Bees have not the sense to know anything about that, observed the girl softly. Of course not. Only fancy how angry these working fellows would be if they knew what the gardener told me. What was that? Why, that the working bees are just the same as the queen when they are first born. Just exactly the same. And that it is only the food that is given to them and the shape of the house they live in that makes the difference. The bee nurses manage that. They give someone some sort of food and some another and they make the cells different shapes, and so some turn out queens and the rest working bees. It's just what Uncle Collins says about kings and cobblers. Nature makes them all alike. But look, the dinner's over. We must go. Wait till I let the bee out, brother, said the little girl, taking him gently up in a soft handkerchief, and then she looked at him kindly and said, Poor fellow. So you might have been a queen if they had given you the right food and put you in the right shaped house. What a shame they didn't. As it is, my good friend, and here her voice took a childish mocking tone, as it is, my good friend, you must go and drudge away all your life long making honey and wax. Well, get along with you. Good luck to your labours. And with these words, she fluttered her handkerchief through the open window and the bee found himself once more floating in the air. Oh, what a fine evening it was, but the liberated bee did not think so. The sun still shone beautifully, though lower in the sky, and though the light was softer and the shadows were longer, and as to the flowers, they were more fragrant than ever, yet the poor bee felt as though there were a dark, heavy cloud over his own heart, for he had become discontented and ambitious, and he rebelled against the authority under which he had been born. At last he reached his home, the hive which he had left with such a happy heart in the morning, and after dashing in in a hurried and angry manner, he began to unload the bags under his thighs of their precious contents, and as he did so, he exclaimed, I am the most wretched of creatures. What is the matter? What have you done? cried an old relation who was at work near him. Have you been eating the poisonous Calania flowers, or have you discovered the mischievous honey moth has laid her eggs in our combs? Oh, neither, neither, answered the bee impatiently. Only I have travelled a long way and have heard a great deal about myself that I never knew before, and I know now that we are a set of wretched creatures. And pray, what wise animal has been persuading you of that against your own experience? asked the old relation. I have learned a truth, answered the bee in an indignant tone, and it matters not who taught me. Certainly not, but it 
It matters very much that you should not fancy yourself wretched merely because some foolish creature has told you you are so. You know very well that you never were wretched till you told me you were so. I call that very silly, but I shall say no more to you. And the old relation turned himself round to his work, singing very pleasantly all the time. But the traveller bee would not be laughed out of his wretchedness, so he collected some of his young companions around him and told them what he had learned in the large dining room of the country house. And all were astonished, and most of them vexed. Then he grew so much pleased at finding himself able to create such excitement and interest that he became sillier every minute and made a long speech on the injustice of there being such things as queens and talked of nature making them all equal and alike with an energy that would have delighted Uncle Collins himself. When the bee had finished his speech, there was first a silence and then a few buzzes of anger then a murmured expression of plans and wishes. It must be admitted their ideas of how to remedy the evil now for the first time suggested to them were very confused. Some wished Uncle Collins would come and manage all the beehives in the country, for they were sure he would let all of the bees be queens, and then what a jolly time they should have. And when the old relation popped his head around the corner of the cell he was building, just to inquire, what would be the fun of being queens if there were no working bees to wait on one? The little couture of rebels buzzed very loud and told them he was a fool, for of course Uncle Collins would take care of the tyrant who so long had been queen and the royal children now ripening in their nurselge should be made to wait on them while they lasted. And when they are finished, persisted the old relation with a laugh, buzz buzz was the answer and the old relation held his tongue. Then another bee suggested that it would, after all, be very awkward for all of them to be queens, for who would make the honey and wax, and build the honeycombs, and nurse the children? Would it not be best, therefore, that there should be no queens whatever, but they should all be working bees? But then the tiresome old relation popped his head round the corner again and said, he did not quite see how that change would benefit them, for were they not all working bees already? On which an indignant buzz was poured into his ear, and he retreated again to his work. It was well that night at last came on, and the time arrived when the labours of the day were over, and sleep and silence must reign in the hive. With the dawn of the morning, however, the troubled thoughts unluckily returned, and the traveller bee and his companions kept occasionally clustering together in little groups to talk over their wrongs and a remedy. Meantime, the rest of the hive were too busy to pay much attention to them, and so their idleness was not detected. But at last, a few hot-headed youngsters grew so violent in their different opinions that they lost all self-control, and a noisy quarrel would have broken out, but that the traveller bee flew to them and suggested that as they were grown up now and could not all be turned into queens, they had best sally forth and try the republican experiment of all being worker bees without any queen whatever. With so charming an idea in view, he easily persuaded them to leave the hive and a very nice swarm they looked as they emerged into the open air and dispersed about the garden to enjoy the early breeze, 
but a swarm of bees without a queen to lead them proved only a helpless crowd. The first thing they attempted, when they had recollected to consult, was to fix on the sort of place they should settle for a home. A garden, of course, says one. A field, says another. There's nothing like a hollow tree, remarked a third. The roof in a good outhouse is best protection from the wet, thought a fourth. The branch of a tree leaves us much at liberty, cried a fifth. I wouldn't give up anybody, shouted all. They were all in a prosperous way to settle, were they not? I am very angry with you, cried the traveller bee at last. Half the morning is gone already, and here we are, as unsettled as when we left the hive. One would think you were going to be a queen over us to hear you talk, exclaimed the disputants. If we chose to spend our time quarrelling, what is that to you? Go and do as you please. And he did, for he is ashamed and unhappy, and he flew to the further extremity of the garden to hide his vexation, where seeing a clump of beautiful jonquins, he dived at once into a flower to soothe himself by honey-gathering. Oh, how he enjoyed it. He loved the flowers and the honey-gathering more than ever, began the accustomed murmur of delight, and had serious thoughts of going back at once to the hive as usual, when as he was coming out, one of the golden cups, he met his old relation coming out of another. Who would have thought to find you here alone, said the old relation. Where are your companions? I scarcely know. I left them outside the garden. What are they doing? Quarrelling, murmured the traveller bee. What about? What they are to do? What a pleasant occupation for bees on a sunshiny morning, said the old relation with a sly expression. Don't laugh at me, but tell me what to do, said the puzzled traveller. What Uncle Collins says about nature and our all being alike sounds very true, and yet somehow we do nothing but quarrel when we try to be all alike and equal. How old are you? asked the old relation. Seven days, answered the traveller, in all the sauciness of youth and strength. And how old am I? Many months, I am afraid. You are right, I am an oldish bee. Now, my dear friend, let us fight. Not for the world, I am the stronger and should hurt you. I wonder what makes you ask advice of a creature so much weaker than yourself. Oh, what can your weakness have to do with your wisdom, my good old relation? I consult you because I know you are wise, and I am humbled myself and feel that I am foolish. Old and young, strong and weak, wise and foolish, what has become of our being alike and equal? But never mind, we can manage. Now let us agree to live together. With all my heart, but where shall we live? Tell me first which of us is to decide if we differ in opinion. You shall, for you are wise. Good. And who shall collect honey for food? I will, for I am strong. Very well, and now you have made me a queen, and yourself a working bee. Ah, you foolish fellow, won't the old home and the old queen do? Don't you see that even if two people live together, there must be a head to lead and hands to follow? How much more in the case of a multitude? Gay was the song of the traveller bee as he wheeled over the flowers, joyously assenting to the truth of what he heard. 
Now to my companions, he cried at last. And the two flew away together and sought the knot of discontented youngsters outside the garden wall. They were still quarrelling, but no energy was left in them. They were hungry and confused, and many had flown away to work and go home as usual. And very soon afterwards, a cluster of happy buzzing bees, headed by the old relation and the traveller, were seen returning with wax-laden thighs to their hive. As they were going to enter, they were stopped by one of the little sentinels who was in the doorway. Wait, cried he, a royal corpse is passing out. And so it was, a dead queen soon appeared in sight, dragged along by working bees on each side, who, having borne her to the edge of the hive stand, threw her over for interment. How is this? What has happened? asked the traveller bee, in a tone of deep anxiety and emotion. Surely our queen is not dead. Oh, no, answered the sentinel, but there has been some accidental confusion in the hive this morning. Some of the cell keepers were unluckily absent, and a young queen bee burst through her cell, which ought to have been blocked up for a few days longer. Of course, the two queens fought till one was dead, and of course the weaker one was killed. We shall not be able to send off a swarm quite so soon as usual this year. But these accidents can't be helped. But this one might have been helped, thought the traveller bee to himself, as with a pang of remorse he remembered that he had been the cause of the mischievous confusion. You see, buzzed the old relation, nudging up against him, you see, even queens are not equal, and that there can be only one ruler at once. And the traveller bee murmured a heart-wrung yes, and thus, the instincts of nature confirmed the reasoning conclusions of man. End of The Law of Authority and Obedience Recording by Julie Parmenter